Welcome to the Situational Podcast. I'm Derek, and one day people are going to look back at this and wish they would have known about it sooner, but by then it'll be too late, and I won't be accepting any new members. I spent a significant amount of time watching videos on the simulation hypothesis yesterday. It was quite a trip, but it makes more sense than not. The odds that we aren't living in a simulation are strikingly low. It doesn't change things very much. I mean, there are questions you could ask, like why someone would want to create such a simulation, which you could answer by saying to model the world and study it, or for fun, or because we're living in The Sims version 7.9. You could ask who designed it, and you could say God, little green men, or it designed itself. You could ask what you're supposed to do or if life has any meaning, to which the answer would be yes, no, or maybe. And it still doesn't change the fact that you and I both have bills to pay and obligations to fulfill. I would suggest, though, that if the world is a simulation, you first start with the obligations to yourself. Also, Mandela effect, it's the Flintstones, not the Flintstones. I'm undergoing a little bit of a recalibration in my life. I've gained a little weight. I'm spending more money than I want. And I've been avoiding discomfort for me. There's definitely a point I've been at in the past that I don't want to get back to. I never will forget when I had to go shopping one day for new pants when I was married all those years ago and I had to buy a size 44 pants and it really broke me. Since then, I've been around a size 32 to 34, which is a significant decrease and it happened because I stopped drinking and also because I got divorced. I've had many of these recalibration points in my life, a point you get to where you realize you can't keep going down this trajectory anymore because if you do, you're sort of solidifying a choice. It's almost like the error correcting code that's embedded into the atoms of the universe. If you're not familiar, error correcting code is code that's put into a computer program to fix errors that can occur. And that same type of code is present in the atoms that make up our reality. Strange stuff. To me, though, it acts as a sort of alarm system that I'm engaged in a runaway feedback loop that will eventually have me back at the point I don't want to be. So when that happens, I take a recalibration day, a day where I put my phone away, close off the distractions and decide where I am and where I want to be, knowing that to get there, I'll have to experience a considerable amount of discomfort, accountability and error correction. Normally, I do this alone, but why when I have a community of people for whom observing this might be beneficial? So, where am I? Currently, I'm sitting in my apartment amenity space listening to the Interstellar soundtrack. I'm in considerable debt. I'm unhappy with my work. I'm unhappy with my location. I'm unhappy with my career. I'm unhappy with myself. I'm unhappy with my choices. And I'm pretty sure that World War III is happening. And I'm feeling like there really isn't much that I can do about it, even though I know that not to be true. One really important lesson I've had to learn over time is that even though your feelings are valid, that doesn't mean that they always reflect reality, whether it's simulated or not. One way to address that is to identify what it is in life you're happy with, what things are going right, because everything can't be going wrong, even if it feels like most of it is. So for me, currently, what's going right are my Korean lessons. I'm happy with my progression in Mortal Kombat. I'm happy with the situational practice. I'm happy I found a black space every second Saturday in Seattle to visit. And I'm happy that I deactivated my TikTok account. And I'm happy that I'm in relatively good health. I like to think about what I'm happy with instead of what I'm thankful for. To me, being thankful in the context of reality being a simulation reminds me of being a slave thankful to his master for not killing him today. 
I know that that seems dark, but again, whoever or whatever is responsible for this simulation has the power to change things in this exact moment, and I don't know whether it's due to a plan or the programming, but they choose not to. And because of that, I realize that I'm at the mercy of their unknowable whims. So to say things like, you should be grateful, you should be appreciative for what you have, to me, in my context, feels like I'm trying to appease someone who doesn't seem to be happy no matter what I do. I digress. So I've identified what I'm not happy with and what I'm happy with. Now it's time to think about what I want to be different. And with this, I think that the simulation hypothesis can help tremendously. One thing I know that is in short ply for me right now is motivation. It's just hard to care when it feels like nothing matters anyway. Why not just order Uber Eats instead of cooking? Why care about exercise or working out? Why not just do the bare minimum to get by and spend the rest of my time indulging in countless forms of hedonism and self-pleasure? When I was a born-again Christian, I had an endless supply of motivation. The desire not to spend an eternity in hell in conscious torment while looking up at people having the time of their lives. I no longer believe that to be true, and while it's freeing in one sense, in another it's removed a key motivating factor in my day-to-day life. So I need another, and it must be just as ridiculous as the one before it. In my studies of the simulation theory, one of the key theorems is that there's a base reality from which all other realities are simulated. It's based on the trilemma by Nick Bostrom, which goes from the assumption that one day we as a species will be able to develop the computing power to simulate entire universes. That seems a little bit far-fetched until you compare the graphics in Pong to Grand Theft Auto 6. So basically, either all civilizations reach a point where they inevitably destroy themselves, civilizations reach a point where they can develop simulations and choose not to, or civilizations reach a point where they can develop simulated realities and do so. And then those simulated realities create simulated realities, so on and so forth to where it's simulations all the way down. The really interesting idea is that that means that there would be significantly more simulated realities than actual ones. So the chance that you're living in the base reality versus the possibility of the infinitely created ones is frighteningly small. Take a few deep breaths. It's fine. You still have to go to work tomorrow. But why? Why would you go to work? Again, I can't give you a reason, but for me, if there is a base reality, then there must be a base Derek, a Derek Prime. Maybe I'm somewhere 16 years old playing a video game that simulates what it was like to be a black man in the 21st century. Maybe this is a training program for some secret shadow organization I want to be a part of, which, yikes, that's quite terrifying because I've done some embarrassing things at 2 o'clock in the morning. Maybe this is a video game that I created in the future to help people decide their career paths, and I decided to test it myself before releasing it to the public. No matter how you decide to look at it, the free will, as it were, is in your ability to decide how you'd like to see the situation. And right now, I'm choosing to pretend like I don't have a choice, when I most certainly do. I've often been upset at the fact that I exist. I do believe non-existence would be preferable, except for the fact that I also do not want to not exist. So I need to choose a way to see it. I have no desire to be 16 years old again, no matter what the future may be. And I can say that I'm quite discontent with the reality that I currently inhabit. I do know that I perceive myself as having free will, which means I do have the ability to change my simulated reality. But what are the motivation? I don't care about getting a high score. I don't care about doing nice things for moral or ethical reasons. I do nice things all the time and have yet to be rewarded for it. I need a reason that is selfish and self-reinforcing. What about eternal annihilation? That doesn't do it. 
When you've grown up being afraid of burning in hell all your life, the threat of any type of eternal suffering just doesn't carry the same weight. I mean, my current existence to me is pretty terrible and it's all I've ever known. What about proving things to myself or others? I mean, I don't really care what other simulated beings think. Hell, I'm not even sure, nor can I prove that they have self-awareness. Improving it to myself? A noble idea, but currently, I just don't care. There is nothing that can make me care. Because if there were, then it wouldn't be a choice. It would be me following instructions, which means I'm not a free agent. I'm a program being run in the simulation. Rather, a free agent who's deciding to be a program. And honestly, to be 100% honest with you, I can understand why someone would decide to forego freedom and allow themselves to be controlled by the influences around them. It is simply easier. What's hard is coming up with a reason, knowing that one reason is just as arbitrary as the next. Paradoxically, though, whether you create the reason or you allow someone else to do it, that doesn't make it any less arbitrary. So why? Why am I going to keep pressing forward even though it'd be easier to simply quit and die? Because I like talking with people. Truly, I enjoy the connections I make and have made with others who do and don't share my point of view, who've had experiences and have reached the point that I've reached, where they realize that life is nothing more than a series of choices, even though the choice to begin living was never yours in the first place. I want to talk with people who realize that there is no beginning. There is no end. There is only right now a chain of the present that can never be broken. Sure, you can segment it into past, present, and future, but not without realizing that it's you who's doing the segmenting. I want to see how others have segmented it. And I want to break free from my current way of being and live selfishly altruistically. I remember as a Christian... I was told that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. I so love myself that I'm going to give myself permission to believe something that I can't prove, that I'm not alone in this video game I'm playing somewhere in the future that necessitates its existence. I know that I struggle with self-love, with experiencing joy and pleasure without guilt, with self-sacrifice and self-forgiveness. And if I do... I know the person playing this game must as well. And as I've said before, we play video games the same way that we live our lives. Perhaps somewhere there's a version of me living their life in the same way they're playing this video game. Maybe they went to therapy and in the future therapy is different. Maybe instead of medications and barbaric treatments like electroconvulsive therapy, we hook people up to virtual reality simulations and through them they learn the skills they need to change their lives. Maybe some people are successful and complete their treatment and some terminate early, thereby solidifying a desire they expressed that got them started in the first place. Then, hopefully, there's a compassionate discussion about what to do next in order to preserve their dignity. Maybe none of these things are true, and reality is a video game designed to create conscious beings. And if so, how would one wake up? Well, they would probably start by recognizing what they're happy with, what they're unhappy with, and then what they wanted. And what I want is to travel the world meet new people, and ultimately sit down with whoever or whatever is responsible for this game and ask them questions. So how do I get there? Not without experiencing great discomfort. Going against programming is difficult. There'll be many times where I need to deny my impulses and go against my coding, but the change is worth it. Also, considering that resistance as a virus that seeks to replicate itself across the entire game is just as motivating as being influenced by sin from the devil, except it has the added benefit of not being something that can be related to. The devil is a sympathetic character when you consider he was created to fail. So in closing, what are you happy with? What are you unhappy with? And what do you want? 
Yes, the answers are arbitrary, but that doesn't mean they don't mean anything. When you figure it out, I'd love to hear your answers over at thesituationalpractice.com. If you like this talk, please consider supporting me by becoming a member. Base membership is always free, but you can help me out by becoming a premium member at $10 a month. There's nothing extra, nothing more, just a choice to show your appreciation. You can also join my Patreon at The Situational Therapist and support me with $1. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back with more information about this game in the next episode. Oh, the lesbian divorce rate is 75%, which indicates that the problem isn't just men, it isn't just women, it's the way men, women, and people communicate. We speak the same language, but that doesn't mean we're saying the same thing.